you are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to the newly relaunched Locked On MLB podcast. I was channeling Chris Mad Dog Russo there. I didn't even realize that. Uh, this is part of the Locked On Podcasting Network, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering all of Major League Baseball, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, I implore you, call me Sully. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockdownMLB, and you can follow me at Sully Baseball or on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast. You get LockdownMLB on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, wherever you get your podcasts. You know how to get podcasts. You're already listening to this podcast. How could you hear me if you weren't listening to this podcast? You can go to the web, or maybe at the website. I don't know. At locked.mlb, you can hear it directly there. I'm channeling Ted Leitner of San Diego Padres right there. I'm speaking a little bit too fast. Can you imagine Ted Leitner on double speed? It'd be, it would, it'd be, he'd sound like uh, Chip or Dale. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. Then both eyes of the road, hands at 10 and 2. Uh, you can check out the other shows on the Locked On Podcasting Network at your team every day. And today, is the 19th day of April. Happy weekend. You made it to Friday. And I'm going to talk about something that I sparked a little something. A question that someone asked me sparked a little something. But before we get into that, let's take a look at what we have to look forward to this weekend. Big, big slate of games going on this weekend. We got an early game going on between the D-backs and the Cubs. Two teams that spiraled a little bit down the end last season. And, you know, if you, they both look like potential pennant winners going into August of 2018. And here we are looking at them, two teams, kind of in the crossroads. D-backs have started the rebuilding process. The Cubs, who knows? This season with the Cubs has been an utter mystery. And I can't help but think that Joe Madden may be coaching or managing, sorry, meant to say managing, a different team before the season's up. The Giants who can't hit are playing the Pirates. Bumgarner, is he going to be a trade chip? He'd almost have to be a trade chip. I mean, Bumgarner's already won his World Series and played more than a decade in a San Francisco Giant uniform. In this day and age, you can't ask for more than that. You can't ask for more than 10 seasons from a player, especially one who has delivered the title as Bumgarner has. So if he gets traded, just everyone tip your cap up the 101 to San Francisco and know that you're probably getting something decent in return. Uh, Speaking of a team that could probably use Bumgarner, uh, the Yankees are playing the Royals. And just before you say, hey, this is going to be the easy series for the Yankees, remember they lost series to Detroit, to Chicago, and to Baltimore. Sabathia in his final season, well, let's give him his best. I'm a Sox fan, but he can't have he can't help but have respect for Sabathia. Um, Barrios is pitching for the Twins. He's my pick to win the Cy Young Award, and I think he looks damn good. And he's going against the Orioles, and that should pad the win or two. Hey, speaking of padding wins, the Nationals, who are trying to climb back up into first place, are playing the Marlins. The Marlins, how do they? How have they won multiple games this year? I don't understand. Uh, the Red Sox and Rays. We talked about it yesterday. The Red Sox are in dire need of a winning streak, and they can't afford to fall too far behind the Rays. I don't care what point of the season it is. 
You can't climb, you, you can't bury yourself too badly. Burying them had, you know, early in the season sunk the team back in 1996, as I mentioned yesterday. They got off to a rotten start. When they got off to a, a terrific finish, it was too much of a hole. Plus, let's give the Rays some credit. In fact, I'll get to that in a little bit in this podcast, I promise. Uh, the White Sox and the Tigers in a series that would have been really fun in 1984. Uh, the all-squirm as we look at racial stereotype game, the Braves versus the Indians. The Indians better... I, the Indians have really, really good pitching. I suggested that they should go after an Adam Jones to fill in. I also said that Kluber, his 6.16 ERA, I think is misleading. I think he's been pitching better than that ERA shows. And it'd be interesting to see if he really starts to put on the aft thrusters and show why he's a perennial Cy Young contender. The All-Texas Series. Morgan Price, I know, is watching Drew Smiley, who was once a big trade chip with the Tigers, was dealt in the David Price trade, is going up against Justin Verlander, who, of course, was a Hall of Famer with the Tigers. So Tigers fans, you can see two familiar names there. And the, you know, the Astros showed why they're the best team in baseball by running over the Mariners and winning a bunch in Oakland. The Rangers want to stay in this year. And they're off to a winning start so far. So this is when you have to play the varsity. The Astros are the varsity. And if the Astros continue to win and run over the Rangers, then they may just pick up this West and carry it under their, you know, right under their arm. Um, it's a big series for the Padres as well. They've got to pile up wins, especially because they've been on a little bit of a losing streak, and they can't let L.A. pull too far ahead because the narrative starts to be built that this is a young team not ready. They're playing the Reds, who are a young team that's not ready, and so this should be a few wins for San Diego. I think they're going to win tonight. In fact, I predict Matt Strom will throw the first no-hitter in the history of the San Diego Padres tonight. Write it down. The... Dodgers are playing the Brewers in one of those series that are really interesting because this is a rematch of last year's NLCS and it was a really exciting NLCS. It was really good games there and some big turning points back and forth. It could very easily have been a Brewers pennant. And you have Stripling versus Shashin. I still can't produce Shashin's first name. It has to be written phonetically for me. Both the Brewers and the Dodgers got off to fast starts. They've had little slumps and now they're back playing the level that we thought they were going to. Of course, it's only mid-April. We haven't had that many parabolas. But this is a matchup between two teams that, if they face in the NLCS again, would anyone be surprised? And then you have the Mets. You have Vargas pitching against Wainwright. This is the same Adam Wainwright who pitched in the 2006 World Series. It's the same dude. He's been around a while. Vargas's ERA is 14.21. I didn't place the decimal point on the wrong one. His ERA is over 14. I know it's early in the season, but it's never a good time in the season to have your ERA in the 14s to show you how valuable the win-loss record is. His win-loss record is 1-0. So a tertiary glance at his win-loss record, you'd say, ah, at least he's pitched well enough that he hasn't lost a game. So it should be a fun weekend. I know I'm going to be watching a bunch of games. I know that 
it's early, but it's always interesting to see what teams can build the narrative from the start. I have a strong belief that you can't really determine anything about a team until Memorial Day. The you know, first third of the season when you can really take stock of your team and say, okay, what are we? Now, sometimes you get a big red flag early, like with the Red Sox rotation. But it is important to win some of these series early on because you want to build upon them instead of scrambling to get back. So let's have a fun weekend of watching baseball. And once I'm done talking about Blue Chew, I want to talk about something that hit me the other day. It's the sort of thing that goes through your pal Sully's brain. I can't always pretend that it goes through my brain as normal, but it goes through there. We all just have to deal with it. Just remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked on MLB on the new Himalaya podcast. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with a personally curated playlist and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on MLB. All right, I know my mom is listening to this, so mom, just do me a favor and skip ahead a little bit. That'd be great. Thanks. All right, everybody else, let's talk about sex. Good, ready-to-go sex. Now, you can increase your performance and build up your confidence. Everyone but my mom, listen up. I'm talking about BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra or Cialis, so you know they work. Take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach, while stuck in traffic after a Dodger game. I don't judge. They're chewable, and they work twice as fast as the pills, so you know you'll be ready quicker than a manager can make a pitching change. Now, everyone I know has tested it, and I have many trustworthy friends who confide with me very personal details. They all tell me it gives them a little extra, and it works great. Now, we baseball fans, we know all about getting a little edge with performance enhancers. And this is just isn't for people who can't perform. This is for anyone who wants uh, something a little extra. Look, Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships to your door, discreet package, no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, no awkwardness. In fact, the only awkwardness involved in Blue Chew is knowing that my mom is probably still listening. Made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. All of that just by going to BlueChew.com, promo code MLB. Once again, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB. Try it for free. BlueChew, the better cheaper and faster choice. Thank you for sponsoring the Locked On MLB Podcast. I was thinking about something the other day. I was thinking about what fan base is the most devoted. And chances are, if I said that out loud to anyone, there are a usual suspects that pop into your head. Cubs, Cardinals, Red Sox, Yankees. Maybe some of you will say Mets, some of you will say Philadelphia. Some of you will look at the tortured Cleveland Indians fans or the charmed San Francisco Giant fans. Maybe one of those fan bases is the most devoted. And using the definition of devoted as very loving or loyal. The loyal part of that is the intriguing part for me. 
I wouldn't list any of those fan bases that I just said as the most devoted. It's coming from a lifelong Red Sox fan who's lived amongst passionate Yankee and Met fans when I lived in New York, who's seen the rabid Giant fans here when they won the World Series several times, and the devoted Dodger fans who love their team down in L.A. Nah. None of those, I think, meet it because in some ways they all have easy admission. If you say you grew up in New England, anywhere from New Haven to Maine, you can claim Red Sox fandom by birthright or by college right. If you went to, I went to Emerson and I fell in love with the Red Sox. Boom. Congratulations. You now have qualified to walk around and strut like you're a devoted baseball fan for one of the most passionate fan bases in the game. And everyone will assume that you were there suffering throughout the years of Bucky Dent in 86 and 2003 and that when they win a championship, you bore the scars that your ancestors have. It's an easy admission to have the respect of a Red Sox fan or a Cardinal fan. I grew up in Missouri. I grew up in Southern Illinois. So you are now full admission. You're considered to be a great fan. If you grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey, you can claim every Yankee championship as your own. The 1932 title, that's mine, because they all brag about 27 rings as if they were cheering on Tony Lazari and Red Rolf. If you're a Met fan, you've automatically shown that, oh, I don't go for the easy winner. I choose suffering. And all the pain of being a Mets fan is automatically trivial. You don't have to prove anything. And I can show you why that's the case. The case of easy admission to a devoted fan base. I do it like crazy. Everyone assumes because I was born in New England and I'm a Red Sox fan and to a much lesser degree a Celtics fan. Everyone assumes I'm a diehard New England Patriot fan. And with it, I can claim all the Super Bowl titles and claim that I've been a good, solid fan throughout all the years, the Steve Grogan, the Mosey Tatupu years, the Drew Bledsoe years. Boom, I just say those three names. Oh, Sully's a huge Patriot fan. Could not care less. I didn't even watch the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Rams this year. And yet, and I, and I missed the comeback when they came back against the Atlanta Falcons. I turned off the game. I didn't care. Most of the time, I don't care. And when you get down to it, people will treat me as if I lived and died with this team because I have easy admission being a native New Englander. That requires no devotion on my part, no loyalty. And admission to being a Red Sox fan, while I am a loyal, passionate Red Sox fan, I saw the bandwagon getting pretty crowded in 2004 with faces I didn't recognize. When I showed up to Yankee Stadium in the early 1990s when I was going to college at NYU, there were a lot of empty seats in the Bronx. And Shea Stadium had tumbleweed blowing around it. So I'm thinking about the fan bases, the most loyal. Even when the Red Sox and the Cubs were losing all those years, they got so much cred because of the curse and the this and the that that there was almost a romance to not winning on those teams. 
How much did that really cost? One of my best friends is from Buffalo. He doesn't care about sports. And yet, if he put on a Buffalo Bills hat, everyone will assume that, oh, you've lived and died with him. He wouldn't have to prove a darn thing. And yet there are fan bases out there who I look at the fans who show up and who cheer for their team. And I think, man, the loyalty and devotion they must have is through the roof. Notice I'm not saying who has the most fans. But let me play a game with you. What if I said to you, I think Marlin fans are the most devoted fans in baseball. I could hear the eyes rolling through my headphones. The Marlin fans, they're not even, they don't even show up. They're, they're not even there. You go to the game and most of them are rooting for other teams. The Marlins fans, they're some of the worst fans in baseball. Boom! That's why I think the diehard Marlin fan could be the most devoted fan in baseball. Because they don't get credit. Because they know that their team will tear down any quality players that they have. Anyone that you get emotionally attached to is going to be gone before you know it. No matter who the ownership is. The team couldn't get done finishing the 1997 championship when they were all traded away. The 2003 team barely stuck around for a year. And a couple of years ago, they had Christian Yelich, they had Osuna, they had Stanton, they had Jose Fernandez. Okay, there was a tragedy there. But now they're all scattered all over the place. And the Marlins can't even draw 900,000 fans. They're drawing about 10,000 a game, and that's generous. But think about the fans who do show up. Think about the fans who do show up. Who know they're going to be outnumbered in their own stadium. Who know that the promise of, oh, when you get a stadium, everything would be better. They get this dud of a stadium and it's still empty. That they know whoever is managing the team or is in charge of the front office is going to be selling off their players the minute they play well. That they have as many World Series titles as the Mets. They have as many World Series titles as the Phillies. They have as many World Series titles as the Indians. And yet they can't celebrate either one of them. Because think of what I just did just a couple minutes ago. Merely mentioning those titles, you can't bring them up without bringing up the fact that the team was torn down before they could build any momentum off of it. They have these two magnificent highlights and can't celebrate them. No matter who the management is. It doesn't matter if it's Loria or Huizinga or Derek Jeter. They all do the same thing. And it's Miami. A city people like to live in. Ballplayers like to live in. It's a glamorous, high-profile city if you're in basketball. But in baseball, it's nothing. And people casually, when they talk about contraction, it's the Marlins who get it. So imagine you're one of the 3,000 or 4,000 Marlin fans who actually show up and actually cheer for this team. Knowing that you get no reward on the field and you get no respect outside the stadium and yet you stand by the team. That's devotion. Let's go up Florida a little bit. What if I told you Rays fans are the most devoted in baseball? race. That almost doesn't seem physically possible, does it? Especially when you consider that they've had so many good quality teams 
you know, much more than the Marlins have had. Oh, the Marlins won those two World Series. The Rays got into a World Series, then they put together a quality product, making the postseason 2008, 2010, 2011, 2013. Rebuilt back in 90-win team last year. They have the best record in baseball this year. I saw someone on Twitter, a Tampa Bay sports fan, responding to the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Bolts, getting eliminated early from the Stanley Cup playoffs. And someone wrote, posting a Mar- uh, not a Marlins, a Rays meme to pump up his fellow Tampa Bay sports fan, say, well, too bad for the Bolts, but we've got the Rays. And this guy was killed online, saying, Rays... What fan base do they have? Rays, what are they going to do? Rays, they should be in Montreal. Rays, they should be in Portland. Rays, they should be in Charlotte. Well, I assume they would be the Charlotte Rays. And fans of uh, Facts of Life would be very happy to have a team called the Charlotte Rays. Uh, Rays, do they even have fans? This guy got killed. Because people outside of Tampa Bay forget calling a Rays fan not a devoted fan or not a good fan. He doesn't exist. He or she is not real. What fans? Where are they? It's empty. Why can't they drive to St. Petersburg? They've got a good team. Show up. Well, think about the fans who do. They don't play to zero fans. They play to, you know, million and a half fans a year. Yes, a lot of them are transplanted Red Sox, Met, Yankee fans, Philadelphia fans, who show up to watch their team when they go through. But some of them are cheering on the Rays. And they aren't even acknowledged to be real. Unlike Cleveland, all you have to do is say, to have full entrance to Cleveland sports pain is say, I am from Cleveland. Boom. Here's your, your card. The Indians draw terribly. Terribly. Why don't they get the same grief? Because they have the tradition behind it. Because they have the history behind it. It isn't generational. It's not generations of suffering in Miami. It's not generations of suffering in Tampa Bay. But there is generation suffering in Buffalo, in Cleveland, in Boston, in Chicago. Although we're about to have an entire generation of Boston fans who have never experienced anything resembling pain, which is bizarre. What if I said San Diego? You know, they actually draw well. They haven't had a winning season since 2010. Yet they draw about $2 million a year to a great ballpark. This is a franchise that has given their fans virtually nothing. We are in the 50th anniversary of the foundation of the Padres, half a century. Four times they've won 90 games or more. Their 50th anniversary, and they've been to the postseason a grand total of five times in half a century. And not once between 1969 and 1983 did they play in the postseason? Not once between 1985 and 1995, and not once since 2006 have they given their fans one game in the postseason. 
And the only time they've ever won the World Series, the only time the San Diego Padres have ever won the World Series was in the made-for-TV movie The Kid for Left Field starring Gary Coleman and Robert Guillaume. And that shouldn't count. The only two times they made it to the World Series, they got clobbered by the Tigers in 1984, the best American League team of that decade, and they got clobbered by the Yankees in 1998, one of the greatest and possibly the greatest team I've ever seen play in my life. They combined in those two World Series for one win. Game two in 84 was the only World Series game the Padres have ever won in 50 years. And the only time they've ever talked about those two great moments in their history where they upset the Cubs in the playoffs in 84, they upset the Astros and the Braves, two 100-win teams to get to the World Series, and they're mentioned like, well, they had to play the best, and they're treated like as if they were a Little League team. The Washington Generals, the two apexes of Padres history, are told in the context of they didn't belong on the same field on the team that clobbered them in the World Series. And... You take a look at some of their stars. They have one beloved superstar in Tony Gwynn. Another one in Trevor Hoffman, who played the majority of his career in San Diego. But most of them, the Dave Winfields, the Ozzie Smiths of the world, were remembered for other franchises. Their last Cy Young Award winner was Jake Peavy. He won two rings elsewhere. The only MVP they've ever had is Ken Caminiti, and he died. And yet, when Machado signed there, what was the thought of a lot of the fans you heard of the people seeing that he picked San Diego over, say, Philadelphia or Chicago. <clears throat> you heard them saying that he was going to a soft market where the fans don't care and he can lounge around on the beach. But San Diego fans care. San Diego fans are devoted. San Diego fans have had a crushing history that if, you, if they played in Philadelphia or Boston or Chicago or Detroit, being a Padre fan would mean you're a hardened fan who's been through a lot playing in a sports market that's merciless, lost their NBA team and their NFL team to the big city above, not heaven, Los Angeles. They lost the Clippers, they lost the Chargers, all they have left are the Padres, and a team that's not been kind to them. And yet two million show up. So I would make the argument. I'm not saying who are the best fans. I'm not even saying who, are the, who has the most fans. But when you talk about devotion, you've got to think about a fan base who gives their loyalty, gives their love, and gets nothing in return from their team. And nothing in terms of respect from other fan bases. One of my bosses was a huge Cubs fan. I worked for him when they lost the playoffs in 2008. And I felt so crushed for him. But would you feel that way about the Padre fan? Or the Rays fan? Or the Marlins fan? The fact that you don't. The fact that their mere existence is questioned or ridiculed. Shows that they have love for their team and devotion that's second to none. And there is no easy entrance to it. You need to prove you're a loyal Marlin fan. You need to prove you're a loyal Rays fan. You need to prove you're a devoted Padres fan. 
because there's no instant oh you're part of the you're part of the club that you have in Buffalo in football you have in Cleveland you have in New York you have in St. Louis and you have in Boston so answer to the question of which fan base is most devoted I think those three have a real strong argument so tell me what you think about that at Sully Baseball on Twitter or Locked On MLB on Twitter or Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram or Locked On MLB on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the show on the new Himalaya podcast app as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On MLB. Leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and help spread the word. And have a great weekend watching baseball. I know I will. Check up on the other Locked On MLB shows and catch up on your favorite team your team every day until then this has been the lockdown mlb podcast i'm your host paul francis sullivan please call me sully